Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Marcy, and today uh, I'm joined by Eric Yang. Eric is the founder and CEO of Gear Patrol. Hi. Thank you. So I wanted to have you on because, um, you know, we talked to one of our awards about yep. like the sort of wild and crazy world of, of running a, a small media company, right? So I get a lot of, you know, people on here are running like big venture capital funded or they're part of like larger organizations. Um, so I want to have... Um, someone on who is uh, doing it on um, you know the day to day level. Yeah, we like to think ourselves as right sized, but <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about Gear Patrol. Give me the sort of founding story. When did you guys begin? What was the sure. whole idea? Um, so Gear Patrol began in two thousand seven. It was just a personal blog. Uh, I really was writing about products that I was interested. In. I've always been a product guy. What were you doing at the time? I was working at CBS News at okay. the time. Um, and this is just like a little side. It was, it was, it was, it wasn't meant to be anything more than just a, a personal place I could post things like a blog. Um, and you know, it was early, earlier, it was just all based off WordPress and still is actually, but gear patrol really just began as a place where I could write about things because, you know, we're covering news every day. These are just my personal interests, um, whether it's skiing or automotive and, you know, gear patrol began, uh, lots of stories about that, and then over time realized there was something happening with it. Um, this was the early days of blogging. Yeah. You know, these are the rise of Gizmodo and Engadget and all the halcyon. The salad days. The salad days. Well, yeah. there were a lot of a lot of publications. I mean, some Digiday podcast guests, you know, I mean, David Fisher's been on here. Oh, yeah. Around the same time, you know, he was doing High Snobiety. It yeah. started as a blog. You know? Yeah, the late 2000s were really interesting. There's a lot of stuff that happened at the time. Um, it really came out 2010 when I realized, okay, and I had met my co-founder at the time, and we needed to make a go of this or let it go because you couldn't continue to work on yeah. and as well as doing Gear Patrol. And so, so we you just, were doing posts like sort of on on the side at night, at night weekends. Yeah. What made you say? Because I mean, it was three years of that, right? Like that. I got to go for this. I got to make this a business. It was a it was a hard decision because um, you know at the time I was really enjoying my career at CBS, but then there's a lot of turmoil in media. You know, just during that era, the late two thousands, um, seeing the recession happen, um, and with Gear Patrol, the catalyst was that this was what I was passionate about, and this is what I loved. And you couldn't do two things. You couldn't do a full time job as well as have this. So the decision was made to just work on it full time and realized we could make something of it. And were you making money at the time, like ad networks or? At that point, we'd saved enough money to be able to quit our jobs okay. and last for a year. All right. And that was the catalyst. It was at that point, we quit our jobs, work on it for a year, and we signed on with an ad network. I can't even remember which the first ad network we signed on for. It was maybe something like Glam okay. or uh, it wasn't same media. Um, and federated media federated media yeah <laughs> and we could uh and we had we were making enough to be able to afford ourselves a very modest make it by salary uh -huh. and worked on it full time and that was 2010 and then in 2011 we moved into a we work and then in a we work which was just down the hall from which Adam we Newman. it's on the corner of 34th street and 5th avenue okay. we were in the original we work at that, at the that one, time the one downtown on, yeah on uh grand and lafayette yeah grand and lafayette yeah, yeah. And I think I remember Adam having an office down there. You could just see him like running around the office. Oh, as well okay. too. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he was in your building as well too. But yeah, we went there. We hired our first full-time employee later in 2011. And then we started making some real money. Okay. And, and, and what did you see in the market that made you think that, look, a lot of people talk about, about products, right? Yeah. Um, what did you see that, you know, was the, the quote-unquote white space that you could fill? Well, I really saw what was happening was 
the men's magazines out there, GQ, Esquire, they were increasingly unrelatable to me. You know, I was interested in topics. I was interested in product categories. You know, for me, it wasn't about a Brioni suit and living your best lifestyle in New York. I had my own personal interests. And that, for me, crossed over between automotive and tech. And, you know, then you had, you had magazines that were just really focused on, like, bro culture in men. And I'm not saying Maxim was one of those, but I didn't relate to those magazines. Heavy. <laughs> Loaded. Oh <my> God. <laughs> the late 90s were yeah. quite a time for that. Yeah. Even, even T3, which was a gadget blog, was just, yeah. you know, heavily laden with with sex. And for us, it was not about that. And I wasn't, I wasn't interested in that. I wasn't interested in that. I just wanted to see something that I could relate to, which were talking about products. Um, but not just tech gadgets? No, not tech gadgets. I think that's, okay. that's, you know, there's a huge space for that. And I think that tech as a category is enormous and undefined in some ways. And it was about, okay, how do I integrate tech into my lifestyle in different, different ways? And that was whether it's home, um, whether it's in the garage or whether it's outdoors. And there wasn't a place that was speaking about this with people who I felt like were really actually interested in that. Mm-hmm. And that was the space that we, that we uh, focused on. We just focused on products unrelentingly. Okay. Um, this started as like a personal project, right? It so, did. I mean, yeah. y- you were sort of oriented by necessity to people like yourself, right? Yeah, I was writing blog posts for myself. Right. So, yeah. like, but, but like men, like yeah, it, it it's, is, it's been always focused on men. Okay. And it still is today. I think that's where men's media has gone. You know, it's turned into from general interest to a bunch of topical permutations. Men are interested in different topics and they find the channels that they're interested in and they focus on them. Yeah. And for us, we're speaking about that from the product perspective. What products enable you to do? What knowledge you need to know around products? Product culture. Before we even began the podcast, we were talking about cars in the 90s. Yeah. That's, there's so much to dive into there that's really beyond what it means to just transact on a product. Mm-hmm. We've defined that as like product journalism, not really just commerce content. Yeah. But is I guess what I wonder is, mm-hmm. is this for most men or is this for, you know, men who are really into, I don't know, gear, if you will. Like gearheads? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if it, like, is it, we have a lot of people on this podcast who, yeah. who are, you know, focused on a specific area, right? And, um, or is this just part of like all sort of the male existence? Do you know what I mean? Right now it's all about the male existence, but we think today that for us is focused around the topics of automotive, home, spirits, style, uh, and the outdoors. And over time, you know, when we operate our company like desks, we have a desk that's focused on each of these topics. And over time, as these desks evolve, we believe there may be a possibility where these can become, can they become sub-brands? We're not sure. We're working on incubating them mm. and letting people sort of see each of these topics as a reader who comes in who says, who's interested in style? They may be interested in style and watches. Um, and that's a great space to be in as well, too. But we don't believe that everyone's interested in every single topic. And so over time, and that's why we divide our side that way. Right. So, yeah, I mean, because people are in watches might go to a specific watch publication, yep. right? If they're obsessed. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a really interesting space right now where I believe that, you know, people can come into a topic and also realize they're interested in other topics. And we see that through a funnel. We can drive them into saying, okay, I'm mm-hmm. interested in the latest watches, but you know what? There may be a lot high likelihood that I'm also interested in the latest cooking products. Right. Um, so at the time, I, on the monetization side, um, you know, you usually rely on, on um, at least at the time, like display ads, right? Uh, it was early on as display ads. We were really early in on branded content as well, too. That was a natural place for us to be in, and that continues to be yeah. one of our biggest monetization drivers. 
but this was before sort of the takeoff of a lot of like the affiliate. Um, yeah, I mean, commerce or, revenue, I guess we call it now. The commerce, yeah, we uh, we see. I mean, it's so funny because people define it as affiliate. Some people define it as commerce. But are you doing direct commerce? Or are you doing affiliate business? But if we call it commerce overall, yeah, you know, I think our Amazon account is like one of the first Amazon Associates accounts. Like yeah, the, the actual account number is in the low digits. And, you know, we added that onto the site early on. Uh, it wasn't a core place we were trying to drive our revenue because we were talking about a lot of stuff that affiliate revenue had no association with. And over time, we've seen more and more of these networks bring on more and more. And, and my sense is in the long term, we'll see a lot of these companies eventually launch affiliate programs, um, things that are not currently A lot of what companies? Well, I think that you see spirits. I think even automotive um, can you get lead gen in that space as sure. well too? And all these um, all these categories that were traditionally just either brick and mortar or traditional relationships um, start to launch affiliate programs. Even in the watch world, you know more and more of these brands are launching watch affiliate programs as well too. And so that's a really great place for us to be in. Um, you know, affiliate was just accretive to all of our revenue, and uh, over time we've seen it grow. But it hasn't been something we've been really corely focused on until the past two years, mm-hmm. and and that's been exciting for us because it's. We're seeing a lot of success from it. Yeah. So what are, I mean, because there's so many advantages of having a, a publication that's about products, right? I mean, because usually you're drawing in an audience and then you're trying to like, you know, shoehorn in a commercial message when people might not be in the mindset for it. I mean, and, and I think obviously if people are coming to a publication about products, they're in a commercially... Uh, a commercial mindset. Yeah, they're already in the lean-in mode. Yeah. Yeah, versus when you see it in the middle of a news feed about right. pop culture. Yeah, that's, that's the great Reading thing about impeachment and it's like, oh, here's a retargeting ad for some <laughs> sneakers. I, I saw that on uh, on a site recently, like the, uh, Verizon has some new cycle, like In the Know. Yeah. And it's that. It's just you're going from pop culture, news, politics to then, hey, here are the 10 best, um, I don't know, uh, gifts to buy this summer or this season. And you're like, wait a second. Yeah, like it's it's such it's such a Rubicon to cross in right. your mind. Yeah, when you're at Gear Patrol, uh, whether you're coming in through a, a referral or you're coming in directly, you're in that mode. You're in that mindset. Like, what's new? What is there to discover? Uh, what can I purchase? Is there something I've missed? And for us lately, it's been a lot about service journalism around products. What can I know more about what I currently have to utilize it better? Or is it something that I used to have that's interesting? Or is there some nostalgia or culture to speak about that? And that's how we're finding a lot more engagement. Mm-hmm. How much of your traffic is SEO? A lot less than you think. Uh, I would say it's probably around 40 to 50% right now. Oh, okay. That is yeah. a lot less than yeah. I thought. Most I would pe- think most 75. People, no, no. Most people think that we optimize it. It's a lot of direct traffic, and the direct traffic is actually growing for us, which is really fascinating. Why do you think that is? I think people have And is that of, a good thing, by the way? I mean, because I think sometimes like SEO... Um, treated as a bad thing, or not a bad thing, but like as just sort of incidental traffic. But I mean, that's very intent-based traffic. No, I, I think it's I think it's opportunity traffic for us. Yeah, I think it's places where we're bringing in new people who have not visited Gear Patrol before. Um, around a lot of the guides and stories that we've done that are successful in SEO, and we bring them in. And if you look at our top 100 or top thousand guides that we put out there. Uh, these are people that we believe they're right in our psychographics, demographics, our target audience. And can we get them to register to an email address and get them a newsletter? Uh, and can we get them to bookmark GearPatrol.com for people who still bookmark? Yeah. Uh, and put Gear Patrol into their daily habit. And So you want to build a habit? We want to build a habit. And I think that's a really important place for us to be. Okay. Uh, how about the revenue um, portfolio? How do you make money? That was your first question at the awards. You're like, Eric, yeah. how do you make money? Well, I like... 
the money question. Yeah, well, we make money a few different ways. I think that's important to it's important to know that um, for a long time it was just advertising, and then it became commerce, and then uh, a big portion of our advertising is branded content, and that's actually the place that we're most successful in to date is being able to talk about companies and brands um, in a way that we feel like is authentic to that brand and monetize that. Yeah. So give an example of the the type of program you do. Uh, we just ran a, a branded content came from for Leica on Care Patrol. We just actually won an award for it, and it was you know was it, it was, a Digiday award? It was not a Digiday award. Oh God! Uh, with our award uh, with Leica, it was because we we not only spoke about people who use Leicas like in a real way. Uh, it's it really came down to the fact that it's speaking about a brand uh, that connects them with our readers who are like, okay, Leica's this camera that maybe is unachievable for me to purchase because it's a five or ten thousand dollar camera. Is it always just this thing that people buy to collect or is it something that actual people use? And we speak about it from that perspective and it works really well. It engages with our readers. We see a lot of traffic on those stories. It engages for the brands because the brand's like, oh, they're speaking authentically about our brand. And that's a really interesting place mm-hmm. for us to be in because it's not that Gear Patrol is the New York Times and is talking suddenly about Sony, you know, yeah. where they really just don't give a shit unless it's about Sony from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. We speak about those products because we think about them every day. We got people who are passionate about tech and all these different categories that yeah. we cover. And uh, and we when we bring that culture over into the way we do branded content, it really resonates. So, I mean, there, because it's a product-oriented uh, publication, mm-hmm. that must... It presents opportunities, but also risks of like blurring, right? It I does, mean, and we work really hard to keep all that separate. So, do Just, you look to keep it like completely? We have a commercial team, and they are responsible for branded content as well as all advertising. And we have a content team that's completely independent of that. Okay, so it's what, like your office is here. Yeah, you know? we we have two sides here, um, like literally. Uh, do you? Uh, what is the? What's the actual breakdown like between? How do you divide it up? Like advertising, branded content, and commerce? Well, in our we in commercial revenue, we call that direct. Anything we sell direct, that includes experiential, direct advertising, branded content, um, and commerce. And commerce being like direct commerce, buying from the Gear Patrol store. Okay. Um, and on the other side of that is our content team, which also manages the affiliate revenue. And then we have a little bit of incremental programmatic revenue, and on top of that, some licensing as well, too. But those okay. are areas that we're going to invest and grow next but year. But like, what's the largest area? Advertising. It's still advertising. Advertising, yeah. Do you it's, expect that it to be? It's growing even more for us, yeah. So you're bullish on advertising. I'm very bullish on advertising. Okay. And what we've, been, we've, you know, we've been fortunate to But explain to why, I mean, because it, it's, it's, it's a small site, right? I mean, it's a, well, we're, we do about five and a half million uniques right now. Right. Uh, we'll probably, this is our best month ever. And, you know, we're by no Valuable means Valuable audience, scale. but, like, you know, Valuable it's not audience. a scale play. Right? It's not a scale play. And I think that's, that's really interesting for us because we aggregate a really great demographic. And marketers are increasingly having a hard time finding this demographic because, well, one, is they're not wanting to spend a quarter million dollars on a page in GQ. Mm-hmm. Let's go to Gear Patrol, be much more efficient about the way we're running our campaign and actually get some really great content out of it. Um, as well as the reach. They find that the reach is more valuable and the, the fact that we're aggregating these readers who are interested in purchasing is a really great place for them to be. So as we continue to scale up and we scale a demographic that's really important for us, um, that just becomes a compounding force over time. Right. And now, a quick message from our sponsor. I want to talk about building the business. Sure. So, you know, in 2010 is, I mean, there's 2007, 2010 is, you know, the period where you're sort of figuring it out because, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's personal project. It's a really. passion. It's a personal project. And then 2010, you really sort of go Make a go it. of it, yeah. Right. So we're, I guess we're going up on 10-year anniversary of making a go of it. Yeah. So. It's, this will be, yeah, 2020 will be 
first year full-time working on Gear Patrol. Yeah. yeah. What were the hardest things to figure out? I think when we started scaling, uh, not scaling, but when we started adding more employees to the team was understanding how we operated that team. You know, when you operate a team, it's four people. It's just mm-hmm. you around a desk. And the communication is like 100% real time. <laughs> it's like this room. Right. right. Everybody knows what's going on. And then you get to like 10. And then you realize, oh, we need a communication system. And so that might be a chat, but it really is just about understanding. Now we're having meetings to connect on where everybody is. And then that, you know, going from zero to five to 10 to 25, and now we're at 50 people, is really understanding, like, when do, we the, when do the operational frameworks need to change? Right. And so we've been really focused on that. It's, yeah, it and, sounds and, boring, but it's like it was well, it's so it's, critical. It's, it's very important. I mean, gone through it here um, is you can relate to this. You well, you have to put in place infrastructure. But mm-hmm. if you put if you're 14 people and you put in place an infrastructure for 40 people, then it might be really bog you down. And but if you wait until you're like 24 people to put in that, like then it's too late, and then it's all. The, the, timing is is exactly. the timing is critical. Difficult. And I think you just you know when those those um, you end up knowing when those points are uh, in your business, and if you can k- kind of be attuned to it, that's we've we've uh, we've you know we've had our ups and downs when it comes to that stuff, and we've also tried to make sure that we manage culture through all that, and being clear clear on the vision, right? Mm. You know, because there's a lot of temptations for us to pull into other areas and cover other topics or go into men's lifestyle, quote unquote. But it's really been about this thing that we call product journalism and doing that relentlessly every single year and not deviating from that. And, you know, it's it's been there, – there are times where it's challenging is to make sure that everyone's aligned on the vision and the mission. Yeah, and, and that gets harder as you, as you, as you grow. Yeah, and I, I don't know where I read this, but, you know, if you don't have all that stuff locked in by the time you're at 50 people, by the time you get to 100, you've lost it. Right. And you're going to spend the rest of the time trying to figure out how to get your team back online. And we just wanted to make sure that we weren't there as we got to mm-hmm. 50 people. Uh, w- while you were growing this business, um, there was time, I mean, there was, you know, there were more venture capital options, I think, out there for for media than there had previously been, I think. And when in 2010, maybe when you decided to sort of make this a business, I don't think like, you know, Sequoia or anything was probably like a knock on knock ringing your, yeah, ringing you, your you buzzer. Have, you didn't have turning groups out there <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, really interested in, in scaling media. So and, it was like bootstrapping was sort of the only option. It was it was the only option very early on. And then within a couple of years that I felt like more and more people were either, whether it's a strategic or whether it was uh, a VC, you, sent, you either found them because they were reading Gear Patrol because mm-hmm. uh, there was disposable income in that group and they were reading Gear Patrol and said, oh, I love Gear Patrol. What are you guys doing? And early on, we had we had quite a bit of interest. We always had interest, but you know, for me, my perspective has always been that the trajectory of VC, when you're looking for a five-year exit, 100% growth year over year, doesn't really work with media. Like we were trying to create an enduring brand. It's always been a dream of mine to have a magazine on the newsstand. Yeah, and and that, now you do. Yeah, we do. And I feel very fortunate. <laughs> um, the trajectories were just different. And over time, I just didn't realize, I just, both my co-founder and I didn't feel like that was the right yeah. way to raise the, raise money for the business. So can we do this on a bootstrap? Okay, so the, the upside of that was it allowed you to not rush into things, I would guess, and, and start to, like, dilute the, the, the vision. There's never been an attempt to pivot. Yeah, there's you know? you, there were no pivots. There were no pivots. You um, know, I think that you can change about 15% of your business every year and involve it, yeah. but you can't pivot. But the downsides, 
the downsides are uh, well, the, the big bet can't be as big as that's exactly what it is you can't make the big bets that you want to um or you have to do them and you have to wait to do them so give and, an example well we took a long time to get into video and we took a long time to get into social media and how do you mean get into social media well, we never looked at Facebook and Twitter as big places where we get funnel traffic or referrals. And so that might have been a good thing. That was a good thing. <laughs> uh, we, my co and I joke that sometimes our yeah. stubbornness has played out. Yeah. And Doing nothing sometimes can be the, the best stop. The yeah. Best, the best action. <laughs> well, it's in the past couple of years, you've seen all this happen with this, those the quote unquote pivot to video. Right. You've seen everybody go out there and, and chase their tails, for yeah. lack of a better word. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of the, the, the pivot to video or the pivot to Facebook was sort of done by, you know, VC-funded publishers that needed to show that 100% growth. Yeah, it's easy short-term traffic. Um, yeah. So wh- what mistakes along the way? I don't think that we paid attention to culture soon enough. And Company culture? Company or like, culture, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. Not the topic of culture, but company culture. In what way? I think it was, it was somewhere when we were between 15 and 20 people. We didn't realize that culture was a binding force um, within the group and clarifying goals was part of that. You know, people think culture is snacks or, or parties and it really wasn't that. It's just about people understanding, okay, am I here? Do I understand what I'm doing? Do I understand what I'm focused on? Right. And uh, do I find satisfaction? Like people quit bad frameworks, they quit bad bosses. Um, are we understanding how we're managing our team? And we paid a lot of attention mm-hmm. to that. Because Did you have a lot of turnover? We didn't see a lot of turnover. We just saw, you know, morale drop. Yeah. And I think that was a key place that we realized we had to put our attention on. Okay. That's, so how, how did you do that? Well, I think it, it began with this, uh, this quest to write something that we called the field guide to gear patrol. It's this internal document. Mm-hmm. I just uh, buried myself in, in understanding company culture, spent a few months putting this together. Uh, my co-founder tuned it, and then we released it to the group, and it was called the Gear Patrol Field Guide, and it was a seminal document for us because it clarified a lot of what we meant. It put a lot of our thoughts on paper, um, how we evaluate people, how we look at our team, how we grow it, and uh, it continues to live today. It keeps iterating, and what's great is now people contribute to it, and it keeps people like really engaged with, this, how, with how they work, and that's been really fantastic for us. Okay, that's good. We have a user guide here. Oh, user I'm guys. still working on it. It's it's <laughs> it's a it's a long lasting. I'll, I'll have to show you some of the stuff that we didn't have. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh it's I think it's really great and 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 it was it was really relieving because it eliminated so many questions that we were dealing with on a daily basis. Things like just small questions about hey, when's my next review or or right. what am I prepare for for that? Uh, how do I talk about things like raises at Gear Patrol? And we've tried to really clarify all that through the field guide, and we has to continue iterating as the team grows. Right. Um, so you did take a small round, right, recently? We did. We raised money from Hearst. Okay. Yeah. Explain why that was the right time, right partner. Well, I think around 2016, 2017, when we really catalyzed around this idea of product journalism, the, the thesis of Gear Patrol started to congeal. Like We knew that we really wanted to focus on products around several topics. We really wanted to understand the intent around a consumer purchase. Um, and... At that point, we wanted to start scaling that business. And, you know, it could have taken us a few years to get a place where we could bootstrap it. Um, but we wanted to raise money to focus on that. And I had known Troy for a while at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'd engaged once. Troy Young, Troy former Young. Digiday podcast guest. And so, you know, struck up the relationship again back in 2017. And in April, 
we announced an investment from Hearst. Okay. And so where is that going to? I mean, I'm guessing that you're profitable. We are. Yeah. Okay. We, uh, we've been profitable every single year at Gear Patrol, right. except for the year we there's took no investment because we're growing. <laughs> oh, there's no choice. Yeah. 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 But are you like, so what, like now with, with funding, what, what is it going to? Well, we're, we're continuing to really explore this idea around understanding intent. And, you know, I think that the business, are you a content company or a commerce company? And right now, some people are playing in between both. Mm-hmm. And where we want to really race to is understanding our audience, having a, you know, an authenticated relationship with them, either through email or registration, and then start to begin that, begin mm-hmm. building that stuff all around our topics, understanding who they are. And then, but it's a media company. Oh, it's still a media company. Right. You know, because I think... Well, you mentioned like Turnin, and I, I think they've got a lot of interesting um, investments in companies that are using media, but are really DTC companies. Well, I think you made a really interesting point uh, where you think more and more media brands are becoming DTC brands, and what does that do to the way you're operating your company? Yeah. And for us, we think that playing in the middle is a really dangerous place to be at our size. So do we want to become a commerce company where we're trying to move products, or do we become a content company where we're trying to really understand user intent brand and aggregate people and then hand them topics. off i mean you're going to sell them stuff right yeah well we can you know you can you can buy gear virtual merchandise and we've done a little bit of commerce experimentation just to understand that yeah. part of the business but it's always with that intent uh i think that you've really got to just pick a lane and you've really got to pick a lane where are you going to be content are you going to try to really build users and gather them together or are you going to try to get them to transact and more and more than ever, I think the transactions becoming commoditized. You've got 12 or 13 places you have logins to that you're comfortable buying from. And that's really the only place you want to buy because yeah. if you see a jacket on a, on a site like Gear Patrol, an Arc'teryx jacket or a North Face jacket, and you already have an Amazon login that's got free shipping, I'm familiar with that. I'm just going to buy from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like you think like some people are tacking too much to the commerce end of the spectrum and away from the media. Because I think, look, everything comes in and out of fashion, I feel like, in, in media and every, every industry. Yeah. Um, and so, nowadays... Like nobody is going to a VC with it with a media model. They're 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 not saying we're going to build the BuzzFeed of X. They're saying we're going to build the Glossier of X. So in your mind, is Glossier a commerce company? Or it's they, a total. It's a commerce company. It's a commerce company. Yeah. You know. So you're and that's their lane. Yeah, that's their lane. Are the far fetch opening ceremony. Sure. Stadium goods, or are you trying to become a large media company? And I think there's just I think you you can try to do both, and maybe that's interesting earlier on. But you've got to pick a lane, right? I mean, and also just running the, uh, very different businesses. Very I mean, different like business. we talked about David Fisher at, at High Society. I think they're they're sort of like in some ways like you know figuring out it's going to be a media company or is it going to be like a product company? Yeah, and uh, I think the f- focus of doing both of those things maybe for capitalized in a way where you can make both of those bets that's interesting, uh, but that's not for us. Right. So what is next? I mean, you're at, what, 50 people now? We're at 50 people now, yeah. Okay. Now now that you have sort of funding, are you, are, are you changing funding. a little bit of funding? A little bit of funding. Not too much. Not too much funding. But you're not looking at changing the like, okay, we're going to like double by next year. No, we're not going for Netflix. Like that's not <laughs> – I mean, to have a great show on Netflix eventually some point documentaries, that would be exciting for us. Uh, you know, I think that for us, we're, we, we found a pace that works, and, and uh, I use this analogy. Are you in like an iPhone or an iPhone S here? And for us, we're in an iPhone S period where we're mm-hmm. focusing on our operations, our systems, defining what it is that we do, who it is that we are in the marketplace, and then really diving down on that. And then when we get all the framework figured out, then we can be more creative with who it is that we are. Right. 
Explain the print publication. Yeah, you sure. brought you brought a couple copies over yeah. here, and it's, it's 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 an attractive magazine. Thank you. I'm impressed. It's 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 a testament to the work by our team. Yeah. Um, explain the role that plays. Well, and I know you wanted it on the uh, newsstand, so that that's one. Yeah, that was that was a, <laughs> a personal <laughs> one job. It does. Yeah, yeah, personal passion. Uh, I think the magazine for us is a place where it makes people realize that Gear Patrol is more than just posts, right? Right. Um, it's a place where we can dive deeper into our features, but really it's a collection of all the stories, a lot of collections and stories and ideas that we're doing on the web that don't make as much sense on the web. It's a lot much more focused on long form features, original photography. In the way that you guys have a magazine, you can Mm -hmm. speak about a topic uh, or a period of time. That's our focus is seasonality, is saying, okay, these are all the things that are important for you to remember at this particular time. And for us, you know, on the business side, what's really great about print is it's part of our packaging. You know, you come in for a digital media campaign or you may come in for a print campaign, but we're there to meet you. Right. Okay. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode. If you like this episode, please do rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. And thanks to Pierre Bianame who produced this podcast. 